0: This one I see in the pages of God's Word. With hair as white as snow and with gold about his curve. His eyes a flaming fire. His feet as brass of gold in brilliant righteousness his voice as mighty waters flow this one I see with millions open wide from his high almighty throne down to earth he makes his mind the mountains melt away A sermon is pre recorded.
1: Breaking the power of Jezebel. Mighty God, it's time for Jezebel's power to be cast down. Lord, we've seen enough from her. We've heard enough from her. Our hearts have been rent by her. And I pray now, Lord God, that in this fellowship and in this city of Washington, D.C., Jezebel will be cast down finally, fully, and completely. I ask, Lord, that as I share this message that you've placed heavy upon my heart, that you will root out to the deepest places those entanglements with Jezebel, changing both actions and beliefs by the blood of Jesus. Lord, make me clean to speak this word. Quicken now our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are seven letters sent to seven different churches. These are the letters that were revealed to John on the island of Patmos. These are the last words of Jesus to specific churches. The remaining part of the book of Revelation will simply announce for us the events that are going to transpire as God brings final judgment to the human race and all of the demonic strongholds as they are cast down by the breath of his mouth. These are the last words of Jesus. Now, your name is listed in this last statement. We're today dealing with the fourth message, to the angel of the church in Thyatira. But I do want to tell you that it is addressed to the church of Washington, D.C. It is addressed to all of us. Now let the word of God begin to pierce into your very heart and deal with these entanglements with Jezebel. Now before I share this, just a note about Jezebel. Probably most of you, when you hear the word Jezebel, you think about this wicked wife of Ahab. But did you know that Jezebel had a life before Ahab? Jezebel is upper crust. Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon and Tyre. Now, Sidon and Tyre of that day would have been New York and Washington tied together. This was a city of immense wealth and culture. It was the center of trade for literally the entire world. Anybody who was anybody wanted to show up in Tyre. The big parties that everybody wanted to go to they were held entire. You arrive by boat. You are greeted with marble palaces, incredible beauty and luxury, couches inlaid with ivory and gold, mosaics on the floor. The prophecy was that this was the place the devil loved to go to. This is Jezebel's hometown. She's upper crust. So what you hear today about Jezebel, I want you to understand, we're not speaking about a down-in-the-country church. We're speaking about those who are going to appear slick. Those who are going to have sitting outside the Mercedes or the big hot Lincoln, or the Lamborghini, or the Ferrari, or the Hummer. We're talking, about, we're talking about the shakers and the movers. We're talking about the people who like to show up at the parties with all of the right stuff on. Jesus is going to tell us that these movers and shakers are going to begin to come into the body of Christ. And that as they begin to come into the body of Christ, the body of Christ is going to be seduced. And they are going to begin to learn from these people the deep secrets of Satan. So that the church begins under the name of Jesus to practice the secret arts of the devil. Now we're going to unravel this. This is not my word to you. I have to confess. I lay last night into the wee hours of the morning on my bed, weeping before God and saying, Lord, I don't want to preach this. And he was telling me I would soon be preaching it at W.A.B.S. This is not pleasant stuff. And it cuts right down through the heart of the worldly American church. And so I'm not going to speak this to you to step on your toes. But if the shoe fits, slip it on. Now let's look at this message. These are the words of the Son of God. Wait, I have to stop in none of the previous letters has jesus introduced himself as the son of god jesus has instead addressed himself as a son of man that's a much that's a much more familiar tone to use i'm a son of man that was jesus favorite name for himself son of man but now he comes And he says, I am coming with the fullness of the Godhead upon me. I am full of authority. Now, with this authority, notice his eyes are like blazing fire. A pictorial representation that we're all familiar with. If I came at you and my eyes were blazing like fire, what would you say about me? You'd say Pastor Ray was in a rage. You'd say I was angry because I was coming with my eyes ablaze. Well, the fullness of the Godhead is now coming to the church at Thyatira and it is coming with its eyes ablaze. In other words, there is something going on in the church at Thyatira that absolutely enrages the God of heaven. And he's not willing to put up with it anymore. And he's going to come and he's going to execute judgment upon it. With his eyes blazing with fire in the fullness of his godhood, he now speaks gently to us. He says, I know your deeds. I know your love. I know your faith. I know your service. I know your perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. Now, what an awesome comfort. Are some of you doing more than you did at first? Yes. Some of you in this congregation used to not read your Bibles. Now you're reading your Bible through in 30, 60, or 90 days. Many of you with me are already well through the Bible for the second time this year. Many of you will read the Bible through four or five times this year. The Lord is saying, I know your deeds... Many of you used to never pray except for your own selfish desires. And now you find yourself laying on your floor at home, weeping before God for the sin that's in the body of Christ and asking for the mercy of God. Some of you used to be terrified. Some of you used to live in fear all the time. Your stomach was tied up in knots. And you've left that foolishness behind and now you trust Jesus. Now you take a deep breath and say, Jesus, I trust you. I mean, God is so pleased when we make progress like this. But now he wants to cut right to the heart. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Now, I want you to note, he's going to begin identifying who these people are. I mean, there's a ministry called Generals of Intercession. And for some time, they were sending me their newsletters. And they would they would give grand words of knowledge as a prophetess would. And then in that next newsletter came this startling appeal. We are $40,000 in debt. We desperately need you to help us. This ministry may have to close its doors if we're not able to pay off this $40,000 of indebtedness. Well, I took that into my prayer closet and I said, Lord, I don't understand. How can the generals of intercession have to come to me? Aren't we to go to your throne and ask you for the money? Why are they coming to me? Why are they coming to your people? Well, the next newsletter came. And it was saying, We praise God because we were able to build the new administration building that we've so desperately needed. I said, Yes, God's people have been tricked. They've been fooled. There was a shell game done on them. That panic appeal caused men and women to say, We can't let this light go out. They gave all of that additional money. And they used that additional money not to pay off some emergency debt, but rather to build their administration building. They knew it would be hard to raise money for bricks. So they set it up with trickery. So God's people felt an emergency, and then they stepped into it, and they got their building. You probably know of many examples similar to this. You all received the fundraising letters just like I do. I was in a television studio, National Pastor. It was July. And they were cutting spots that were going to run the last part of August. And they, they said, Come on, Ray, we want to show you these spots. And it was the National Pastor announcing that financially they were going to have to cut stations if they weren't able. I said, wait a minute, right now today, are you in financial trouble? And they said, absolutely not. But we know that giving will be down in the next 30 days. And because we know giving will be down, we always count on this time. When we run these special announcements, we can count on an additional $10 million being received in this office. And so we build that into our budget. I said, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that you're building a $10 million budget in on a planned emergency? They said, well, yes, that's how Christian ministries operate. I said, no, that's not how Christian ministries operate. That's how Jezebel operates. I was not popular there. See, I want to walk through some very specific content now for you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, that upper crust person who is so financially suave, who knows how to do the trickery, who knows how to do the advertising and the marketing who calls herself a prophetess, or in other words, who has hidden insight. And if you'll listen to her hidden insight, you'll be happy and wealthy and wise. By her teaching, she misleads my servants. Now I said, wait a minute, Lord. What is the teaching of Jezebel? Now I want to go through seven basic teachings that Jezebel gives. Very briefly, I want to show you the air of them. The first teaching that Jezebel gives is that faith is a power. What do I mean by that? Many ministries today teach that faith has power in and of itself that this power is exercised by God. In other words, they say, when God chose to create the earth, he exercised his faith power, and when his faith power was exercised, creation resulted. They would teach that if you will take your faith power that it will work for you the same as it does for God. They teach that what you must do is picture that new Cadillac, put it on your refrigerator, and then confess that that is yours. And let your faith grasp a hold of that. And your faith will produce it. Now, I'm telling you, major ministries across the United States are teaching that lie of Jezebel every day from their pulpits. Now, the truth is, faith has no power. God has all the power. And that faith, according to Scripture, is simply my lifeless hands reaching out to the Lord Jesus Christ. My faith is not something that I operate like a God. My faith is what I use to submit to my God. And as I submit to my God, he works all things out for good for those who love him. Romans 8. And so now you have men from Kenneth Hagin all the way across the board who teach this faith principle, and they base this now upon another lie. They base it on what they call covenant theology. And covenant theology is simply this, that God made a promise to Abraham, and that we enter into Abraham's promise by the blood of Jesus, Now, what I want you to see in each of these is that there is a little truth mixed with a whole lot of air. And my daddy always said, if you put a glass up here on the table, you fill it full of fresh water and you put one drop of strychnine in it. Will anybody drink that? No, because it has that poison in it. It is true that God made a covenant with Abraham. It is true that we enter into that covenant by the blood of Jesus. But now where the air comes is the belief that God is obligated by that covenant to produce financial riches in my life. That God has to do what I tell him to do. That God is my servant God is not my servant. I am his servant. I am not the one who runs the universe. My Lord Jesus runs the universe. Now there's a further lie involved in this and it is all intertwined and mixed together so it's hard to sort it all out. But in this theology there is the teaching that the reason God must answer my prayer is because when he looks at me, he doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. Now again, there is truth in this, and there's error. When Jesus has the Father look at me, I am covered by the blood of Jesus. And so the Father does not judge me, I am brought by faith into salvation through Jesus. But now here's the lie. The lie is that that blood of Jesus covers up all of my known sin. And the truth is, known sin is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Rebellion is not covered by the blood of Jesus. The only sins that are covered by the blood of Jesus are the sins that are repented of and forsaken and turned aside from. If I choose to walk in rebellion against God. Believe me, the Lord God of heaven is going to see that rebellion. But see, they say that because that covenant with Abraham is there, I'm now free to demand of God whatever I want to demand of him and I'm covered. That's a teaching of Jezebel. Let's go another step another horrible teaching of Jezebel is the the teaching of seed planting. And seed planting basically goes like this. You have to plant a seed in the ground in order to reap a harvest. And so if you will plant your seed, if you will give me a thousand dollars, then I'm going to pray over your thousand dollars and you're going to receive back a hundredfold. It's another shell game of Jezebel. And it's being worked out in the churches across the nation. It's being done on television constantly. I mean, if you watch, you look at these mega churches and you, you watch the slick money game that they have going, You come to the churches in Washington, D.C., I could take you to church after church where this game is being worked on God's people. Where you plant your seed with me. You give me your money and then God's going to bless you. But do you see the lie in this? There is truth in it. The truth is, when you give your financial resources over to the Lord, when you give your time over to the Lord, when you give your life totally into the hand of God, He can then use you to build His kingdom. And that's true. Isn't that biblical? But if I come as a slick trickster to you and I begin to connive, how can I convince these people to give me their money? It's a shyster coming to, to shear God's sheep. And most who call themselves pastors in Washington, D.C. are sheep shears. And they're making a good living doing it. This is another lie of Jezebel. Another horrible lie of Jezebel is that God has unconditional love for you. That God has unconditional love for you. That no matter what you do, God loves you. And he's going to save you. I heard Charles Stanley just two weeks ago, again, dealing with this issue, and he was saying, just be assured, rest assured, if you've been saved, regardless of what you do after that, you cannot be lost. It's impossible. God would be a liar if you could be lost. The only thing you might lose are a few of the rewards you would receive in heaven. You might have to live in a smaller house in heaven. Now, that is coming straight out of Jezebel's heart. That's not the teaching of the Word of God. Max Licato teaches the same thing. I could name others. It is the most popular belief today across the body of Christ that God has unconditional love. The truth is, God has unfailing love. God has unfailing love. He will never reject a repentant sinner. He will never allow a repentant sinner to fall by the wayside. We have absolute security in Jesus Christ, in absolute faithfulness to Him. Now you have another lie of Jezebel. That lie is personal ambition. And so that the church has now become an economic escalator for the poor. I was raised in a desperately poor family. I was raised in a home out in the country. And my life was totally changed when I was sent to a a boarding school for high school and then went on to college and graduate school. I never went back home to the country. For me, the church was an economic escalator. And that was a good thing. The gospel of Jesus does lift us up. The gospel of Jesus does refine us. The gospel of Jesus does purify our hearts the gospel of Jesus will change us totally and utterly. The problem comes when slick Jezebel comes and says, now listen, we can use this to our benefit. And so let's now begin to teach God's people how they can make money so we can get it out of their pockets. So the young man who was told by his pastor, you've got to step out in faith. So step out in faith and get that new van for the business. And so he went down and he financed the new van for the business. What he forgot to do was to get insurance coverage until the next day. So that afternoon his van is stolen. When it's found, it's wrecked, it's totaled. His insurance hadn't begun yet. And now he's left to pay off the van because he owes the bank, but the van is gone. Do you think that pastor said, yes, you did the right thing, you made a mistake, now let me help you? Oh, don't even dream about it. He was cast off as a foolish young man, but he just followed the pastor's advice personal ambition is to be laid down at the cross. There is no room in the work of the gospel for personal ambition. We lay that ambition down and we become servants of the Most High God. But when a pastor begins to teach you that you should be all that you can be, when he begins to teach you that you should not be On the low end, you should ride on the heights of the earth. You should walk in the anointing you have and be somebody, and you should step out by faith and be that somebody. Fake it till you make it. You have Jezebel. You have the slick uptown. Princess seducing your heart. A very popular thing right now that many economists are desperately worried about is that people are buying new cars because they want to buy a new car. But the old car they're still upside down in, maybe three, four, five thousand dollars. Not to mind, just wrap that three or four or five thousand dollars owed on the old car. Just wrap that into the new car loan. And so now more and more people are driving beautiful cars. And they're upside down in them. They're faking it till they make it. But at some point, they're going to hit the curve and not make it. And who will be responsible for those families as they go bankrupt? Do you suppose the churches that taught them this are going to fork out the money to pay for their mistakes? No, they're going to be cast aside and they're going to be told it's obvious that God's blessing is not on your life. You didn't have enough faith and God deserted you. We want people in this church who are financially successful. And they'll be cast out of the church. Now, there is another desperate teaching of Jezebel. It's called eternal security. Eternal security. Now, I need, to, I need to back up for just a moment. I want to carefully define the terms of the struggle over eternal security. Eternal security came out of a Calvinistic teaching that when a person accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and their lives are transformed by grace, that they then cannot fall from that grace. Teachers like John MacArthur are very powerful in teaching this. And I have to tell you that I have no argument with a pastor like John MacArthur on eternal security. I'll tell you why. If a person holds that you must come to Jesus, you must walk in obedience humbly before him, you must seek his face, and you want to say that that person has eternal security and they're always going to walk that way before God, you'll find no argument with me. The problem I have is when a person says I'm saved but they walk like the devil. That's the problem with eternal security. And I have to tell you frankly, I have a dear brother who is a calvinist pastor that I would welcome to this pulpit any time he could come to preach. And I would be happy to minister side by side with him in any church setting. Because he holds absolutely to the principle that if a person does not walk righteous before God, it is because they are on their way to hell and were never saved. So you see, my real struggle is not with eternal security. My real struggle is with Jezebel's interpretation of eternal security. And that interpretation is that I can walk in known sin before God, arrogance, and I'm still on my way to heaven. That's Jezebel's word. And that's the word that's being taught by Charles Stanley and many others across this nation. It's a cheap kind of grace. It's easy believism. It has no integrity. Now, these things are not going to be exposed in most churches because obviously it would cause a great loss of revenue to the pastor and to the board of elders. But it is time, according to this word, that Jezebel be exposed and that we deal with her. Now, there's one more sin of Jezebel that she teaches that I want to deal with, and then we'll go to the heart of the matter. There is another teaching that Jezebel has regarding religious humanism. Religious humanism teaches that God is an extension of the human heart. And that the Christian faith is an expression of the human mind. And it then teaches that we can use all of the resources of the spiritual life to improve our own lives that what God is really about is giving us a wonderful life and a wonderful ride. You're special. You're somebody. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know personal relationship is not used anywhere in the Scriptures? It is, I looked it up. The word personal relationship is not found anywhere in the Word of God. Personal means private. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is not a private relationship. It's a public relationship. It will be judged publicly. Now, on the other hand, the truth is we stand alone before God. So in that sense, it's very private. But you see the lie that comes. It's a twisting See, Jesus is not my Jesus that I can twist a rubber nose and make him act like I want him to act and speak like I want him to speak so that I can justify my behavior however I choose to justify it. He is the Lord of God of heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm the one with a rubber nose. Jezebel comes and twists me one way. Holy Spirit comes and tries to twist me the other way. And I sway with the breeze. And the Lord God of heaven is coming to the church of Thyatira and saying, Stop swaying in the breeze. Stand up and be counted. Don't play games with God Almighty. And don't listen to these ugly teachings of this Jezebel. If you go in any bookstore with the name Christian on it, you will find not much there is Christian you will find instead religious humanism. You will find it filled with trinkets and toys. You'll find it filled with self-help books. You'll find it filled with every kind of foolishness. You'll find it's more of a Jezebel store than a Christian store. Now look with me at the message to Thyatira. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food to sacrifice to idols. Now it's very clear and I'm going to give you several references. Keep your hand right there. Go with me to Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, and I'm going to begin reading for you at the 32nd verse. Keep your finger right there in Revelation. Go to Ezekiel 16, 32. What I want you to see is what Jesus means when he tells this church that they're engaged in sexual sin with Jezebel. It's obvious that he's using this as a metaphor. He's not speaking directly of sexual sin. It's a spiritual sin. Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, and I'll begin reading with verse 32. You adulterous wife, you prefer strangers to your own husband. Every prostitute receives a fee, but you give gifts to all of your lovers, bribing them to come to you from everywhere for your illicit favors. So in your prostitution, you are the opposite of others. No one runs after you for your favors. You are the very opposite, for you give payment and none is given to you. So what he's saying is, you go spend your money, you go spend your time, you go spend your resources pursuing those things that drain you instead of pursuing the Lord God of heaven who builds you up. And I would simply ask you, as you look over the past 30 days of your life, how have you used your resources? You've had time. You've had money. You've had opportunity. Have you used those to go to the gods of Jezebel? And have you paid them? I mean, you understand. You go to a football game. Do they pay you to go? You pay them to go. You go to the NASCAR races. Do you pay to go or do they pay you? No, you pay. If you want to go to a movie, do you go up to the movie kiosk and hold out your hand and they put $10 in your hand? No. You pay them. That's what's being spoken of here. You go out and gorge out at McDonald's. You go out and indulge with cigarettes. You go out and indulge with alcohol. You go out and indulge with every kind of uncleanness. And you pay them for the opportunity to be unclean. And Jesus is saying, that's Jezebel. He's saying, if you're going to sin, if you're going to go commit prostitution, at least make them pay for it. But of course the game would end if they had to pay for it. Now do you see, even in the body of Christ, we have brought this sin into the house of God. And so now the house of God becomes the entertainment center. And God's people come for the wonderful, fast music, the same music that plays down in Adams Morgan in the dance halls. But you can come to church now and you can get your cup of Starbucks coffee. You can can sit in the house of God and you can be entertained with a wonderful drama. No word of rebuke spoken. No word of censure. No word of encouragement to walk righteously before God. No, instead there is a show. There is a dog and pony show. And you pay for it. When you go to the unholy, when you go to the unclean, and you pay for the privilege of going, the Lord God of heaven is saying, that's prostitution. And you at least ought to make them pay for it. The Lord Jesus would say, if you want to go watch the church show, and they pass the plate, take the money out. That would honor Jesus because at least you're getting paid for participating in the uncleanness. At least you can go home and buy bread. No, you see, when you come to the house of God, and you put money in that offering plate, you better be certain that the reason you're placing that money in the offering plate is that the name of Jesus would be lifted up over Washington, D.C., you better be certain that you trust that what's going to happen with that money is that men and women are going to be confronted in their sin and they're going to be called to repent and turn aside the holiness and they're going to be put on the road to heaven, not the road to hell. And across this city, pastors and churches are putting God's people's feet on the road to hell, not to heaven. Now, I could show you many other passages of Scripture that say the same thing. We don't have time today, but you might like to look at Jeremiah, the third chapter through the eighth chapter and just read that and you'll discover there much more scathing material than I have been able to share with you, even in this time together. Now, let's continue with what Jesus is saying to the church at Thyatira. Oh, by the way, Let me just stop for a moment. If you sit and watch the television and you watch these men and women do their numbers, don't say to yourself, well, it's no harm, I can just watch them. Because you're feasting at the table of demons. You're feasting at the table of demons. If you sit down and watch... TD Jakes, or Fred Price, or Cruffalo Dollar, you're sitting at the table of demons. They are seducing God's people. They are turning God's people aside. If you go sit at Robert Shuler's table, I mean, if you go sit at these tables, you are sitting at the table of demons. So, in the privacy of your home, you can watch all of this and you can let that fill your heart. But the result will be, your heart will be seduced away from the Lord God of heaven and away from dealing with your sin. And you will have had a taste of religion, a form of godliness, but you will have no power. And so you will be seduced into believing that you are right with God Because they have lied to you. That's why in this fellowship we say, turn the television off. Lay aside the purpose-driven life. And pick up the Bible. The way you know a hundred dollar bill is real is not by studying the counterfeit. It's by studying the real thing. And then when a false 100 comes into your hand, you say, wait a minute, there's a check in my spirit. It doesn't taste quite right. And then you hold it up to the light and you know it's a phony. Well, any of these that you question, and there are some godly men on television and radio, not many, but there are some. Hold them up to the light and see if you see the devil's face. See if they're there to enrich themselves or if they're there to enrich you in your walk, serving Jesus as your Lord. Now let's continue in Revelation, the second chapter, verse 21. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Let me stop just a moment. We are so accustomed to having everything center in us. I want you to get the picture. This message to Thyatira is a message to the church. And as it's a message to the church, you have to determine where you're at in that church, which side you're on. And then you have to recognize that Jesus has been giving this Jezebel spirit in America time to repent. Repent. He's brought judgment on a number of major ministries, shaming them as a warning for all of us. 22, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. So the Lord is saying, I am now prepared to bring judgment on this Jezebel spirit that is in my church. I tremble at what that judgment will look like in Washington, D.C. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. You see... The Lord is planning to do a major citywide, nationwide deal similar to Ananias and Sapphira. And when he brings this judgment, there will be trembling and fear before Almighty God. And people will think twice before they show up in church. Now it's a casual, easy thing. Hey, let's go to church. Let's show up when we want to. Let's leave when we'd like. I mean, it's just someplace we're going to go and show and hear and go. No, there's coming a time when you do that, your life will be threatened. Because the Spirit of God is going to come in awesome power in His church. And it will be a fearful thing to come into the house of the Lord. And the dog and pony show will be over I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. In other words, when the Lord begins to bring this judgment upon his people, he is going to examine what we have done, not what we have said. I would learn a lot about you if each of you would just come forward now and show me your checkbooks and we'd go over how you spent your money this last week. That would be most informative, wouldn't it? Or let's take the last 60 days, and let's go over all of the checks you've written, all of the charges you've made. That would be very informative. Jesus would know an awful lot about you. He's saying, I'm going to examine what you have done. Now, the lie of Jezebel is another lie. Jezebel said, hey, don't worry, God's not going to bring judgment on his people. God is about to take us all secretly out of this place. We're not going to face judgment. We're going to heaven. And we're not going to face any of the wrath of God. We're not going to face any of the trauma of the tribulation. Instead, we're going to be out of here and everybody in the world's going to be saying, look, they left. Of course, don't talk to me about how much money. That series of books made for the one who wrote it, prostituting God's people. I mean, Jezebel was really slick on that one. And the drama continues. Never mind that it has nothing to do with Jesus, it has nothing to do with the Word of God. But it's a lie to seduce God's people into believing that they are secure in their sin and that Jesus has them covered. Jesus doesn't have them covered. Jezebel's got them covered. And that judgment is about to come on the people of God. Are you ready for God to search your heart today? Are you clean before God if he came and looked at how you've used your time, your energy, your money, have you been compromising with Jezebel? Are there roots of Jezebel's theology that have wound around your heart and convinced you to walk in sin before God? Are there tendrils of Jezebel's teaching that have fastened themselves around your heart and caused your heart to become cold and hard and casual before Almighty God, so that now you have no fear and trembling before Him. No nights of prayer laying on the carpet. No time. No hungrily searching and and reading the Word of God. Instead, paying that prostitute spirit to get what you want. How do you stand today before the living God of heaven? Let him examine your hearts. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother my sister. I'll talk to you soon.